I want to say hello to everybody that's joining us online and remembering, remembering our other campuses in Delton and in Middleville and kind of excited about where the next one might be. We're looking forward to that as well. Now today, what I want to do is I want to start by reading a story, a parable that Jesus tells. And I thought just to spice it up, and I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We'll see how this goes. All right. I thought just to spice it up, but we'd have some of our intern graduates. These guys graduated from the summer internship this last week. And so I invited them to use their questionable acting skills to help me illustrate this story. Now, I'm going to be reading it, so I won't see, so you're going to have to judge on how they do. But are you guys uh, ready to do this? You all up for this? Okay. So we'll start. So what happens is Peter comes to Jesus, and he asks him a question. I'm going to pick up from here, and then Jesus tells the story. Peter says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to like seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And then he tells the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him. And he canceled the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, only that much. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And Jesus concludes this story by saying, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So how did they do? Think they did all right? Hey, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, you wait, you wait. You you played the evil guy out here. And uh, he actually told me he wanted to play the evil guy. I'm not sure that says a lot about you. I don't know. But why don't you just come right up here, kind of by me, and stay here for a little bit, okay? I don't know uh, if you have any resonance with this, but when I read this story, every time I read this story, when I come to it in the Gospels, I clench inside. Just a little, because, because I know me. Because I know, I know that even though I want to do good, there are these times, and 
I fail and God has forgiven me and given me, given me this incredible and amazing grace. But then I have these times where I feel offended by somebody and I'm angry. And what I want is not forgiveness. I want payback. Pay me what... How does it feel now to be the bad guy, huh? <laughs> Pay me what you owe me. I feel that. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I feel that. I want that. And this happens in big things. This happens in, in little things. I see it in my life all too often. Like, like, for example, sometimes when I'm driving. And it might not be what you think. I, I talked recently about how the fact I, I don't like slow drivers. But I don't want to get even with slow drivers. I just want them to get off the stinking road so I can get on with my life. But people who tailgate me are a different story. When somebody pulls up and gets right up on my rear end and stays there, I get angry. Anybody uh, know what I'm talking about? I mean, I get ticked when they do that. It's like I'll sit there, and Ann can see it sometimes. She'll be with me, and somebody I'll be, I'll be looking in the mirror, and I'm like, stupid guy's right up on my tail. And she's like, settle down, settle down. you know. But I'm angry, I'm angry. And what I could do is I could just pull off to the side, let the person get around, calm myself down, and get on with my life. But what I want to do is slam on my brakes really hard while I'm watching in the mirror and see their eyes get big and them hit their brakes and the front of their car goes down and they back off and then it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's what you deserve, right? That's what I want to do. And I'm not going to lie to you. That's what I've done. <laughs> now, don't applaud that. <laughs> and since I'm on this honesty thing, I might as well go the whole route. Once I've done it, it feels good. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It feels good. Unless the guy turns out to be an axe murderer or something, you know, that... So many things like that. That's a small one. And there are a lot of bigger things. Like the person who promised to be faithful to you the rest of your lives together. Betrayed you. Cheated on you. And it wrecks your gut. It tears your heart apart in your family. Like the person who steals from you, somebody that you trusted fully, and then they stole from you. And it wasn't even the stuff or the money or whatever it was that they took. It was, it was the betrayal, and it tore your heart out. Or someone told lies about you that you'd given confidence to and that you'd shared your heart with, and then they told people stuff, and then they added to it and lied and made you look bad. And it's the betrayal. And when that hits you, this is what I know about human nature, is that we don't... We don't by default, just go, that's fine. I don't care. I, I, that, that, that's okay. No big deal. We don't do that because it is a big deal. You were betrayed. You were cheated on. You were lied to. You were hurt and broken. And so we don't say that. We don't do that. We, we, we have this on the inside of us because it matters. And here's the deal. 
As it goes with almost all emotional pain, the pain begins at some point to demand an answer. You pay me what you owe me. My wife said to me last night, I was afraid you were choking him too much. (laughs) Of course, the problem is the deed's done and he can't pay me what he owes me. So this is what makes it interesting is that my heart begins to flow this way. You can't pay me what you owe me. So I will pay you back. We call that Getting even. It's an interesting term, isn't it? I will pay you back. I will come back at you. I will make sure that you hurt because you've hurt me, because you've wounded me. I'm going to make sure it comes back to you. And it's crazy, but there that is. And what makes it crazier is that we live in a culture that actually celebrates that kind of thing. You do paybacks, people are like, yeah, get him. I mean, you think about this. How many... Tons of super popular movies with movie stars in them. And the whole theme is based around revenge. Paying back somebody for the damage they've done to you. And when the guy gets him back, the crowd cheers. And the music soars and we feel exalted. And our culture tells us that paybacks are not only acceptable... They're justified and right. Pay me what you owe me or I will pay you back. And then here's Jesus. With this crazy idea in the middle of all this. This strange twist on how Christ followers should respond in situations. And in effect what Jesus is saying. Don't do paybacks. That's not for you. If you're a follower of Christ, don't do paybacks. I know some of you are trying to figure that out. You don't know where you're at. You would say, I'm not a follower of God. But if you would say you're a follower of Jesus, do you hear his words to his followers? They were not just implied. They were so real in this story, you can't avoid them. You follow me. You don't do paybacks. Instead, You pay it forward. In the kingdom that Christians hail from, this is the mandate for all his followers. You don't do paybacks. You pay it forward. And this is so hard. I mean, mean, this this is so complicated. The problem with getting even, of course, is that it, It isn't just that Jesus makes it clear this is not what we're to do. It begins a cycle of pain and escalation that it just, stuff never ends. Neighbor's dog comes over, does his number two on your lawn. And it makes you angry. Because this isn't the first time. This is like the 20th or 50th time. And you went to your neighbor and you said nicely, please keep your dog in a cage when he has to go. 
And the neighbor smiled and was like that. But here's the dog in for the 20th time and something snaps on the inside of you and it's like, I'm going to get you back. And so that night you put a rubber glove on. You pick up that dog feces and you go over to his front door and you smear it on the front door. And it feels good. Stinks, but it feels good. The only trouble is, now it's game on, right? Because that neighbor's going to one-up that one, and then you're going to one-up that one, and then you're going to... And where does it end? Often, where it ends is, is the police are out there, the sheriff or somebody, and we read about it in the paper. Because it begins a cycle of pain and escalation that simply does not end. But here's Jesus with this strange twist. You don't, don't you do paybacks. Don't you do paybacks. You pay it forward. Now, I know some of you are probably going, I think I'm doing pretty good. I haven't smeared dog feces on anybody's door in the past six months or so. I, you know, I'm, I'm not hunting somebody down, trying to kill them. I think I'm doing pretty good. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. But don't forget this comes in levels. In levels. So some of us sitting in this room, watching online, one of our other campuses, we haven't talked to a friend, somebody who is a really good friend, or maybe it's a family member. We haven't talked to them in months or years because of this, because they offended you, and you would not forgive them. Now, you don't do anything overt. It's nothing horrible. I call it, you know, passive paybacks. You just don't respond to their texts. You don't talk to them. Some of you are doing this in your home right now with somebody. And what you're doing is you're exacting revenge. You're paying them back, even though it's subtle, even though it's passive and it's kind of underground. It's there because you choose not to forgive. Now, you're not going to want to hear this. And this is not something I really wanted to preach this weekend. This isn't stuff I like to hear. It's hard to hear. But if that's you, if you have unforgiveness, if you have chosen that you would not let something go and you're finding a way to pay back or revenge or you're cutting someone off, This evil guy, this guy who was forgiven so much and then turned around and refused to give somebody who owed him so little, this is you. Complete with the handcuffs. I know I I don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. But this is you. This is me when we do that. I see myself so often in this guy. The evil you, not the real you, all right? I know that revenge or paybacks, I know paying it back destroys families and marriages and friendships and businesses and all kinds of stuff. I know it, but I get this thing on the inside and I see it in myself sometimes and it's like, you do to me, fine. I will pay you back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And here's Jesus saying, don't do paybacks. In, in, in fact, Scripture is filled with this, and this has been like a theme verse in this series from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. It doesn't matter if people celebrate paybacks you don't do them. 
because there is a higher way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You find God's way to live your life. You do it God's way. You choose not to do paybacks, but to be the person who pays it forward. And you've been very gracious to stand up here and let me choke you. Let's thank Jordan for being up here. Go get those cuffs off, all right? This is an interesting verse here. Look at this. It says, do not, what's this word? Conform. Do not conform. In other words, don't, don't, don't be like the world. This is fascinating to me because what this says is that Christ followers are to be nonconformists. We are called to be nonconformists. Now, we may wear uh, similar style clothing to other people. We may listen to similar music to other people or, you know, have things like other people. But in the things where the rubber meets the road, where it really counts in life, the Bible tells us, do not conform. Do not conform. Do not do paybacks. Instead, this is what you do. You pay it forward. Now, that doesn't mean you won't feel like doing paybacks. You will. Because the payback mindset is incredibly enticing. But listen to me. Listen, listen. The payback mindset is prison. Unforgiveness, hanging on to it, and then trying to exact revenge, even if it's subtle, will bind you in cuffs and put you in prison. God wants us to be free. And sometimes I think we don't understand that what he's saying to us is, I know a better way. And I'm calling you not to take the way of the world, not to conform to the image of the world, but to take a different path, the better path, that will bring freedom into your life. And this comes back to the simple principle that we've been going through in this whole series. Make sure you have the right guide. That's what this series has been about. Don't conform. Follow what God teaches. It's the right way. And we're ending this series this weekend. I've enjoyed, I don't know if any of you have, but I've enjoyed this whole series. We talk about this. Don't, just because everybody else says it's good and does it and promotes it, doesn't mean that it's good or healthy. Just because no one else does this thing or promotes it, doesn't mean that it's not right. Make sure you have the right guide in your life. If the world tells you to do paybacks, God says, don't. Stay out of prison. In, a, in, a, in another place, Jesus says it, and probably even more succinctly than this, he just says, freely you have what? Received. So you freely give. So God gives you and I mercy and forgiveness and grace. Amen? And aren't you thankful for it? Oh my gosh. And so this is what Jesus says. Freely you have received. What is it? Freely give. So it comes to you. And then he says you're supposed to be like a a sieve. It comes to you. And then it's to spread out from you to the people around you. And when we actually live this stuff out, folks, we impact our world. You know, we're in rural Barry County, most of us who are listening to this. And the likelihood of almost anyone 
in this church family, Middleville or Delton or Hastings or whatever, of becoming really rich and really famous is minimal. It's highly unlikely that anybody from our church is going to become really rich and really famous. I hope they become really rich. I don't care about the famous, but it, it's unlikely that it's going to happen. I mean, the honest truth about us is, is that we're just another one of seven and a half billion people that are crawling around on the face of this globe. But when you live this out, that you don't do paybacks, but you're nonconformist, so you don't, but you pay it forward, when you do that, you are impacting your world. And in beautiful and subtle ways, you're doing amazing things because you're bringing healing into the lives of people. It's really remarkable. You pay the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that you've been given out to other people, and it actually changes the world, and it changes you. And I could be wrong on this, but I think more people are in payback prison than there are in physical prisons. So many people are struggling because they will not forgive. They will not let go. They want revenge. They want to get back. And so they do it in subtle ways or overt ways. But they're bound. They're cuffed. And they don't even know it. God says, no, no, no. You don't pay it back. You pay it what? Forward. And when you do, you're actually doing the kind of stuff Jesus did. I I love this description of Jesus in Acts chapter 10. It says, He went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him and God is with you. And if you're a follower of Christ, he is with you. And you can do the kind of stuff Jesus did. He went around because he wasn't paying it back. He was paying it forward and he was bringing healing into people's lives. And you can do the same thing. And we are actually called to do that. But this is hard. This is really hard. And that's our challenge, though, to forgive and give mercy and pay it forward. And I don't, I don't know if I know of anything more important than this, than the people who have wounded you, instead of exacting revenge and I will pay you back. We let that go and we give them the same grace and forgiveness that we've been given from God. I can't think really of anything more important than this. You know, uh, some of you may maybe think this. I've had people say to me over the years, multiple times, Jeff, you need to preach on deeper things. Deep, the deep things of God. Well, here it is. Yeah, here it is. This thing right here. This thing is a deep thing of God. You know what's fascinating to me when I read the Gospels? Now, maybe you see something different, but I don't ever see Jesus apparently condemning or, I mean, uh, commending or approving of people because of their great knowledge. I see him commending and approving and praising people because they did the simple, true things they knew to do. You want the deep things? You walk in this. This is deep. Amen, anybody? This is deep. When I take the love and the mercy and the grace that God has given me and I let it come to me freely and then I give it freely, even though it's hard, even though it's painful, even though it's difficult, when I do that, that's the deep stuff of God. And that's what we dream for at this church family. That's what we dream about. That's been my dream for years at TVC. It's not to be some big church that everybody thinks highly of. 
If I wanted everybody to think highly of our church, I failed a long time ago. I hear stories all the time about our church, and I always laugh and think, people don't know, you know, they, they talk about you because you get bigger. But it's, I, don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. Here's my hope. That whatever facility we have in whatever city we're in, whatever campus it is, that the family that meets there would be a place that they live this idea out of loving people where they are in their brokenness, in their pain, and freely we have received, so freely we what? Give. That's my dream. And in many ways, I've seen so much of it come to pass. I love some of the groups that we have at TVC. Groups like Celebrate Recovery, where people who are a mess, it's, a, it's kind of like a 12-step group. And people who are broken and people who have what they call, you know, habits or hang-ups, they can come and be loved just like they are. And lots of people have found freedom and found love and found acceptance there. Or when you've lost a loved one and it seems to have broken your life and you become a part of the grief share group and you experience the healing that can come from other people around you or, or divorce care when you are in the desert that happens after a divorce and you just feel broken and lost. And then the people in those groups who have freely received God's mercy and grace and love, they just let it go out. We don't do paybacks. We pay it forward. And that's what we're called to. Now, that all sounds good when you're sitting in church. It's like, amen. Amen, that's right. And then somebody hurts you and it's like, I don't remember anything he said. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I'll talk about love sometimes and people are like, amen. They can't even get out of the parking lot without flipping someone off. I understand it. It's easy to talk about it in here. Easy for me to preach. I mean, it is. It's hard to live. I want to give you just a few thoughts on, on, on how we can live lives that pay it forward, that choose, that say, no, I'm not going to pay it back. I'm going to pay it forward. You can do with these what you want. These are just thoughts, but I think these are important. If you want to live a pay it forward life, first of all, I think you need to understand that you have to run distance. In other words, you're not a sprinter. Now, just so we're clear on this, we're together on this idea. When I talk about this idea of paying it forward, I am not referencing one-time random acts of kindness. Now, I think those are so cool. I really do. I think random acts of kindness, one-time random acts of kindness are amazing and cool. I love it when you hear stories about how somebody paid for the person behind them when they're in the drive-thru at some fast food place, and then there's like a string of 10 cars or 15 cars where everybody paid behind. If I was in that group, I'd be looking in my rearview mirror going, how many people in that car before I'm... I think those things are really cool. But let's be honest. They're pretty easy, too. What I'm talking about is the stuff that impacts people's lives the most. And I think if you give this any thought, logically, you will come to the conclusion that the people who have had the greatest impact on your life are the people who stuck with you through your messy, failured life time after time. Come on, is that true? People who were still there with you after you screwed up, after you made a mess, after you faltered, after you dropped the ball in some area, they went the distance with you. That stuff is hard. That stuff is really hard. Now, I understand because some of you are going, well, well, yeah, you know, what, how long? What do you? 
I understand that there are times, sometimes, when you've loved somebody and you've given of yourself and served them and given freely, and sometimes you have to distance yourself because of their self-destructive patterns, because you're just enabling them. I understand that sometimes that happens, but I think we do that way more than we should. I think we push people away way more than we should just because it doesn't feel good and we want revenge. And sometimes people will ask, well then how long should I stick with this person? How long should I keep loving this person at work or at school or in your home or whatever it is? How long should I do this? And I think the answer is real simple. Only do it as long as God does it for you. Some of you are like, and you can shut up too. <laughs> Only do it as long as God does it for you. Now again, let me say, I understand that there are times when you have to set boundaries in your life with people. And it may appear on the outside that you are giving up. Here's the difference of setting boundaries and walking away trying to exact revenge while you walk away, doing paybacks as you separate yourself. Here's the difference. You're not looking for paybacks. You're doing this because it's best for them and the people around them because of their destructive lifestyle. Sometimes you have to do that. But see, here's the problem. Most of the time what we're saying is, I'm not happy. I'm, I need to take care of me. And you do need to take care of you. But you also need to give freely of the same thing you've been given God's grace and forgiveness. How many times have you screwed up and gone back to God? You can't even count them. This isn't going over well. I, I kind of... <laughs> I just challenge you on this. I challenge you. Go the distance. First thing. Be a distance person. Go, go the distance. Run distance. Second thing, if you want to live a pay-it-forward lifestyle, be a giver. The whole point of pay-it-forward is that you pay. It's interesting. We hear this stuff, and it's like, I want to do this until it starts to cost us, and then we don't want to do it. But the idea of pay-it-forward is that you actually, you pay. You know, there are people in our church amazing people in our church who are such givers. They give of their time and their energy and their grace and the love that God has given them. And they give of their stuff and they give of their money and they just give. And they are changing the lives of so many people. This church really in so many ways has been built around the lives of people who just said this kind of thing. I don't pay it back. I pay it forward. And they give of themselves and they give of their lives. And I love and thank so many of you for how you serve and how you give of yourself. But in honesty, there's lots of us who are listening to this and we don't give much. Not really. Not really. And we always have a reason for it. I mean, just in the area of finances, we don't give because, you know, I, I just don't have enough right now or things are tight or it's difficult or whatever. But see, it, it's all this stuff. Let me just give you, um, some of you will misread this, but let me just give you a challenge. Start giving. Start giving. And I could talk about a hundred different ways to do it, but I'm just going to mention the finances, and I'll tell you why. 
Because I think there's a unique connection between your heart and your wallet. I, I, I believe that. I actually believe that. There's a unique connection there. We're, we're connected somehow to our stuff. I mean, it's like, I'll love you, I'll be nice to you, don't screw with my money. Any truth in that? Come on. Start giving. Here's my challenge to you. If you're not giving, give 20 bucks a week. But here's the deal. You can't give it as cash or check. You have to have it auto-withdrawn, just like your Netflix and your internet subscription and all the other things that you pay for automatically. Just have it withdrawn. And here's why I say that. Because it'll be real easy after one week or two weeks to conveniently forget. Start giving. And this is how I feel. I feel whatever church you go to, you ought to do it there. But if you think I'm trying to get your money and just doing fundraising here, give it somewhere else. I'm fine with that. But be a giver. Because you don't do paybacks, but you pay it forward. And a lot of times when you begin to give, it loosens something in your heart and you begin to give in other ways as well. And so I just challenge you to that. I think that's a huge and important thing. Now, I'm going to give you one more thought. and We're going to end with this and try to do it on a little lighter note because I know this has been heavy. And I know some of you are like, gosh, I feel like I've had that crap beat out of me today, you know, and the, all this stuff. And, and so I'll try to make this one a little easier. And this is the third point. N- n- number one, run distance. Number two, be a giver. And then uh, number three, just be kind to yourself. Here's what I know about every. In fact, I am not a prophet, but I'm going to prophesy right now. Thus saith Jeff Arnett. Thou shalt fail within the next two days. And I'm right. Come on. I'm right. You will. Everybody struggles. Everybody falters and fails. And this is the beauty and the wonder of Christianity is that we go back to God and like, I screwed up again, I screwed up again, I screwed up again. I ask you to forgive me. And he does. And there's grace and there's mercy and he pours his love into you and it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And that's so cool. Amen. So cool. Here's the problem is that we'll receive his forgiveness and grace, but some of us, we are doing paybacks to ourselves. We're like, you're so stupid. You're such a failure. Why are you doing this always? Just just listen to me. Be kind to yourself because God will take the brokenness in your life. He will even use the things where you fail when you knew better and you did it anyhow. He will take those things because God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's scripture. God will work all that together. So be kind to yourself. Relax a little bit. God is at work. I've been reading this book by a guy named Bob Goff. And it's called Love Does. And uh, I would highly recommend this book. It's, it's, it's a great book. It's, it's a, Bob Goff is a passionate follower of Jesus. And uh, his, his reach is, is kind of all over the world in many ways. And he's touched the lives of countless people. And, and in this book, it's a fascinating book because in this book, what he does is spend a lot of time recounting failures in his life. And um, it's fun because we like to see that when people fail, they can get back up because we fail. And one particular chapter, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, and I thought I'd read some of it to you because I appreciate this uh, kind of stuff. So he's talking about his, his, his first job. He said, my first real job was at Lair's Greenhouse Restaurant. It was a fantastic glass building designed to look like an arboretum. It was the crystal cathedral of fine dining. The waiters were coiffed and formal in their black tuxedos. And he says, uh, in order to become a waiter at Lairs, 
I had to start as a busboy and work my way up. But he was willing to do that. It was hard work, but the thought of being a waiter someday made it worth it all. And on my one-year anniversary, he said, the maitre d' pulled me aside and said I could buy my tuxedo and become a waiter. He said I was at the tuxedo shop the next morning and got my tux. And when opening night came for me, I had my first shift as a waiter. I was so excited I could barely eat. I sprinted out of my small apartment, grabbed some quick Mexican food around the corner because they wouldn't let us eat the food at the restaurant. He arrives at the restaurant. He said the whole restaurant had a new feel. Like I'd been an understudy in a play, and now I was walking out on the big stage as the lead and the maitre d'. He escorted my first guest to their elegant gazebo. And he said it looked like a wealthy doctor and his business guest. The women looked like they had stepped off the cover of Vogue. I put napkins on everyone's laps. I gave them the speech I'd rehearsed dozens of times. I told them about the many incredible choices they had that evening for what would certainly be the best food, the best service, and most remarkable dining experience of their lives. In a word, he says, I promised that the evening would be flawless. So I placed their orders. And after a short time, I came back to the gazebo with steaming plates. All seemed to be going well until the unthinkable happened. As I was making the big reach across the wide table, I felt this massive grumbling somewhere south of my stomach. Down deep as you can imagine. There was no time to react. At the pinnacle of my full extension across the table with a plate of prime rib, out came the most impressive and lengthy gassing you can ever imagine. I hardly had time to regret the Mexican food I'd eaten. This was terrible in its own right. But what was more remarkable is that it went on forever. (laughs) I could have sounded out the alphabet if I could have gotten my hands back there. (laughs) I love this story. As I finished my episode, looks of absolute shock from the guests came into focus. I think I heard a woman scream. I certainly caught the attention of the surrounding tables. And a hushed silence descended on all of us as I stood there, paralyzed, holding the prime rib high over the table. I didn't know what to say, and I was afraid any movement might set off an aftershock. (laughs) Finally, one of the men got up, threw a napkin down, walked straight to the maitre d' and with punishing accuracy I saw him describe what just went down. Acting out my full extension as he stood on one foot and leaned across an imaginary table. And the sounds he tried to make, he said they lacked a certain bass tone and texture, but overall I think he got the general idea and duration right. I was fired on the spot. No kidding. I was fired on the spot. With my cummerbund in one hand and bow tie in the other, I walked back to my VW. My head hung low. I sat in the front seat. I took a deep breath, and I wondered, what am I supposed to feel at a time like this? What are you going to feel when a dream you've had for a year and worked hard for is lost in one freak, hilarious but horrible accident? How are you going to feel? How are you going to address it when you're so discouraged and so deeply wounded by something that's happened? You get back up because God is good.
And God will help you. So be kind to yourself. You're going to fail. But there is forgiveness and love. And then we are called to freely receive and then freely what? Don't do paybacks. Don't do them. Pay it forward. All right, let's stand to our feet and uh, we'll close with prayer. We are so grateful, God, that you love us like you do and that even with our failures, you stay with us. You give us grace. You give us mercy. You are with us still and you will be. Help us to be the kind of people that stay with others, that freely receive and freely give, that pay it forward, that do it the way you call us to and live the nonconformist life of a follower of Christ. Help us with that and we trust you will. In Jesus' name, let's say together, amen.